2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 148. That was Junior Bruce with "The Sleeper Awakens." That song is from their brand new record, "Pray for Death." It just came out uh, via Sludge Lord. Uh, it came out October 30th. So if you missed it, don't worry. You got time to check it out. It's still pretty damn new. Uh, these guys, uh, what is it? Ex-members of Bloodlet. You you might have heard their uh, previous records on A389. There was "The Headless King." There was "Endless Descent." Uh, I think there was another one. I forget the name of it. Anyway, "Pray for Death" is out now. Um, If you're into, well, if you're into what you just heard, then you should go check out the rest of the record because it's great. It's heavy and uh, it's, you know, got that high on fire thing. It's got that sludgy thing. It's got that, uh, I don't know, stoner thing, whatever you want to call it. But this is from Florida. So, you know, it's probably all sorts of fucked up when you dig a little deeper. And, uh, you know, they've they've got, they barely wear shirts. Uh, They probably have overgrown ferns here and there. Might be a, a rogue lizard. In their kitchen. I don't know what's happening with Junior Bruce. I don't know what's up with that name either. Junior Bruce. What's wrong with what's wrong with senior Bruce? Is uh is is that why junior Bruce is all fucked up and sounding crazy? I don't know. But uh you know, those are answers that I, I don't have uh, questions to, or the other way around, questions I don't have answers to. I don't know who's keeping track of my conversation. I hope you are because I'm not. Uh this uh <laughs> this is this is the way the rest of this episode is gonna go, so I hope you uh got your thinking caps on. That's not true, but I do have a lot going on in this episode. I have two interviews with two uh, would all consider legends in heavy metal. That's right two. How did I get them on on one episode? Well I did shorter interviews than usual. But anyway there, I got interview with here with uh, with uh, Brian Tatler of Diamond Head and Tom Angel Ripper of Sodom. So stick around let's get into that right now.
3: Jackie. Make family out of friends. Make friends out of enemies. Peace to my family. Make friends till they bury all the, been, we said, all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out. We'll be getting it in. While you getting it out. That's in all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out. We'll
2: be getting it in. are you getting it out. Get in and out! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you had to bear with me on this intro here. I've had a, I've had a drink or two. But not not. I'm not going to get weird. I'm not going to get abusive to you. I'm I'm just uh, enjoying these very fancy beers that a good friend of mine named Jeremy went up to the uh, great collection of states known as New England. Or are they a great collection of states? Or I think when you lump them all together, uh, because they're small and insignificant like that, you can't call them great. uh, A great great swath of states. I think they're just uh, minuscule, and it takes they got to do like a Transformers thing. To uh, to be significant, which they do, and they call themselves New England. I don't know. You know. Speaking of groups of states, what is the tri-state area? Because I've lived in a couple different states, literally two. So that's a couple, and uh, both of them have had a tri-state area. And uh, those tri-state areas are different tri-states. They're different. They're three different states. And uh, so if I'm in New Jersey. And which I've never been, because why would I want to be? And somebody said, this is in the tri-state area. What, is that, what does that encompass? Is that uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and I don't know, Delaware? But if you're in Maryland and you say, I'm in the tri-state area, somebody might go, okay, that's Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania. By the way, what is what is Delaware doing in all these tri-states? I don't think that's appropriate. What if you're in New York and you say, I'm in the tri-state area? Or are you in New York? Or are you in Pennsylvania? And uh, New Jersey. And you notice I'm including Pennsylvania in all these because that's the way it works. Maybe any state that touches Pennsylvania is tri state. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) you know, all right, I'm I'm, I'm unqualified for this. I'm going to stop this rambling right now. Anyway, um, what I am qualified for, and I've done the research, is to bring some uh, reports on a little album war thing I've been doing on the Getting It Out uh, Instagram page. It's been uh, disappointing, to say the least i here's what I've been doing. I've been posting, uh, two records in the, uh, in my stories. And then I've been asking, uh, the, my, my, my followers to pick one. And so far you guys have been wrong about everything. I want to go over some results, uh, with you so far. The first one was, uh, Slayer's Divine Intervention versus Sepultura's Schizophrenia. I'll tell you the results up front. The results up front were 60% for Sepultura and 40% for Slayer, um, that's that's appalling. It's that's not appalling. OK, that's, that's a little too far. I shouldn't say it's appalling. I should say it's wrong. Divine Intervention, if it had Dave, L- Dave Lombardo on drums would be considered the fourth best uh, album in a great uh, from Rain of Blood to Divine Intervention. It, w- it would be it would be in there. But it doesn't, so people discredit it. It's it's a it's a great record. It's it's to me the last great uh, Slayer record, so it should have been respected that way, and you guys should have voted for that that way because that's what I say. I demand a recount. Um, Slayer won this one. If we're going, uh, if we're doing this presidentially, Slayer won. Ignore everything. Um, but okay, so the so the real real results were that Sepultura, schizophrenia one. Okay, now I think this is fine. I think this is a fine record, but it is just the beginning. Of Sepultura getting like really good. It's not even like their first great record. It's just their first pretty good one. You know, there, there was, what was what was before that, like BCL Devastation*, which is it's just which is shit compared to the rest of the stuff, right? But you know, this this is like before. I don't know what what is it. *Beneath the remains arise chaos ad*. Like those those records in there. Um Some people even include *Roots* in that for some strange reason. But anyway, speaking of Sepultura and Max Cavalera, the next one that I put up was between the self-titled Soulfly record and Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire. And uh, this was way more disappointing than the other one because 76% ended up going the way of Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire and only a poor 24% picked Soulfly's uh, self-titled record. And that 24%, I got to tell you, you're right. We demand a recount. You won the election. Um, this this misled Rage Against the Machine contingent is uh, clearly a case of voter fraud. You guys lied. You stole this one because nobody likes that single Rage Against the Machine record that much. That single Rage Against the Machine record has like two memorable songs, okay? Um, Soulfly, how many you got on there? You got at least two and you got a whole different, uh, a whole different sound, okay? I mean, you might say it was just a carryover from Sepultura's Roots to Soulfly, but no, Soulfly started a whole tribe. What did Rage Against the Machine ever do with Evil Empire? Now, see, here's, here's the particular. We're talking about just this one record. We're talking about just these two records, I should say. Uh, if you were to say Rage Against the Machine self-titled, I would say, absolutely, you're right. But that's not what, that's not what, it's, what we're, we're debating here. It's is Soulfly self-titled versus Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. And sure, you got Bulls on Parade, and that's a strong, that's a strong leadoff. But uh, after that, it's just dying on the vine, man. I'm not getting to the end of that record and remembering anything other than the first song. I realized, though, with these first two competitions that this is going to be the way it is. Um, you guys are going to be wrong about mostly everything. And that's okay. You know, I have, uh, I have kids. I know how it is. Uh, but so I put up another one this morning. I figured I'd go with some classics, some classic rock bands, uh, debuts. Scorpion's Lonesome Crow versus Rush's self-titled uh, debut. And so far, 68% Rush, 32% Scorps. Again, you got it wrong. It's Scorpions. Scorpions, Scorpions, Scorpions. Now, I'm not saying Rush isn't a great band. Rush became a great band after this record. Maybe even after Caress of Steel. Although I do love Caress of Steel. Bastille Day might be my favorite Rush song. And that might be even uh, ludicrous to some people. But I really do like that song. Anyway, Scorpions are killing it. This is Scorpions. Uh, this is, Scorpions started off great. And uh, eventually tapered off, right? But they they had a long... Uh, decade of dominance as one of the best rock and roll bands out there and it all starts with Lonesome Crow. Uh, Rush did the same thing maybe even more decades but it didn't start with this one. Working Man was clearly a glimpse at a band that they could be and that's not even what they ended up sounding like. Anyway point is you guys are doing terrible. Uh, what was the next one? Next one was a little hardcore pick here. Oh this one's a little tighter though. It's a tighter competition. This one is between Ringworm's Birth is Pain and Marauder's Five Deadly Venoms. Okay, so I guess this is this sophomore record for both of them. Uh, it was a little tighter early on. At this point, we're looking at a uh, 55% ringworm, 45% Marauder, uh, still a few more hours to go to vote. And I know with these mail-in ballots, uh, Marauder might come surging back. And, you know, I don't know that there is a right or wrong, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm all right with this one so far. What else was there? We have a uh, Judas Priest, British Steel versus Merciful Fates, Don't Break the Oath. I think I got to learn lean priest on this one. So far, you all are doing the same. 64% priest. I do love Merciful Fate. I do love uh, King Diamond. And this might be my favorite Merciful Fate record. But uh, British Steel is hard to beat. Uh, Moving on. Helmet versus Life of Agony. Helmet Meantime versus Life of Agony. River Runs Red, of course, because those are the only two records that matter from either band. And 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 it was close, uh, but at this point, Life of Agony seems to be pulling away uh, with, uh, what did I say, uh, with 56%. So, you know, there it is. And then here's one that uh, I knew would be a little contentious because people tend to not like either band or they love either band. And uh, this is Pantera's Cowboys from Hell versus Machine Head's Burn My Eyes. Not quite debut albums by both of them, but we know this is when Pantera, Pantera started to sound like Pantera. And this is uh, the first incarnation of Machine Head uh, and probably their best. Uh, but so far, it's going strongly in Pantera's favor. And that's okay because like, I've, I've figured out that you guys are wrong about a lot of stuff. And uh, this is just consistency. Continue to be wrong, that's all right. And then, all right, here's this one was unfair. This is the last one I did, and it really is unfair. It's Metallica's Master of Puppets versus Black Sabbath's Paranoid. And a little suspense here. It's going strongly in Black Sabbath's favor. I don't disagree with it. But I don't know, man. Master of Puppets is one of the best albums ever. Is Paranoid better than Master of Puppets? I don't know. Is Black Sabbath better than Metallica? Yes. Is, I, But is Master of Puppets better than Paranoid. It might be. It might be. Because is Paranoid the best Black Sabbath album? I don't know. I don't know that it is. I'd say no, it's not. But you know, that's not up for me. Uh, That's not not my decision to make. But anyway, that's that's, that's where we're sitting right now. But right now, it's 62% Black Sabbath Paranoid. But okay, enough of this. All right, so this is this is my new uh, my new thing that I'm doing to keep myself entertained with uh, the Getting It Out podcast Instagram page. So go, uh, go to at getting underscore it, underscore out, underscore podcast to see more of that. I might as well just keep doing that for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay, no, so before we get into anything else, let's just move on to other things. Uh, let's let's go right into my interview with Brian Tatler of uh, Diamond Head. Lightning to the Nations, released in 1980, is well known as one of the best new wave of British heavy metal, heavy metal records of all time and extremely influential, particularly to the previously mentioned Metallica, right? Um, but uh, the, they did something surprising and they decided to re record and release uh, Lightning to the Nations 2020, is what they're calling it. And it's coming out uh, later this month. And uh, I got the opportunity to talk with the legendary Brian Tatler about that. So, first of all, I'm going to play you a song from that record, a re recorded song for that record. It's going to be It's Electric. And uh, check that out and then listen to our conversation because what else would you ever want to (laughs) do?
0: How are you doing today I'm um, okay um i've still got a bit of a cough i've had a cough for about a week but it's just one of them things you know as you get towards winter people get coughs and colds so it's no big deal it's it's not like i've got the coronavirus
2: <laughs> right well that's the thing everybody has to be concerned about right now you know
0: you never you never know yeah well as soon as you start coughing you can't help but thinking oh <laughs> i hope i haven't got the... <laughs> but no i'm fine it's just a, a normal sort of wintry type cough cold
2: yeah are you guys are you guys uh actually experiencing winter over there right now or the the beginnings of winter because over here i'm yeah. in pennsylvania which is kind of similar to where you know similar climate for you guys and we're we're in the mid 70s still
0: Oh um, no um it, it's nowhere near that <laughs> that war um it's it's autumn really you know the leaves are coming up the trees uh it's not too bad we, we've only had a couple of frosts in the morning uh but you have to put your coat on and wrap up a bit to go out
2: of course well yeah i guess that's to be expected right that's the way yeah. it's supposed to go um yeah yeah <laughs> so hey anyway um you you've been playing guitar in diamond head for 40 over 40 years now haven't you
0: that's right. Yeah, the band started in '76, so really it's forty-four years. Wow, amazing!
2: Yeah, it's incredible. How many bands you know are there are around? I mean, there's a couple, but still going like <laughs> you guys are for that long.
0: Uh, yeah, not that many. I, I mean, unfortunately, Diamond Head split up, and we we never uh, we didn't keep the original lineup. That that kind of folded about '83. But uh, I, I really, really admire bands who keep it together and keep going. Like, for example, you know, ZZ Top, it's still the original Three Guys, isn't it? That formed in, I don't know, 1968 or something. Uh, so that's an incredible uh, uh, thing to keep, keep the, all the members intact originally for 50 years.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, with Diamond Heads, you, you yourself are the only original member, correct?
0: That's correct, yeah.
2: But that's all right, because you've had some guys with you oh, yeah. now for I a while.
0: <laughs> that yeah, yeah, Carl's been with me since 1991, which is a hell of a long time, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, um, and then the next oldest uh, guy is, is Abs, who's been with me since 2006.
2: Well, that's a pretty long time. Just that alone—that's fourteen years. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I always think about the year two thousand as it was just yesterday, but that was twenty years ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Simple math, but it's, yeah, it's still weird to think about. Forty years, forty years of, 40 years of by.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. Forty years. So, so for it's been forty years since you originally released Lightning to the Nations. And now, 40 years later, you're releasing a, a re-recording of that record. How, how did you make this decision? And was this something you planned uh, for
0: a while? No, not really. It was suggested last year. Cole, our drummer, suggested it. And we had the conversation where we said, look, it's, uh, we're coming up to the 40th anniversary of Lightning to the Nations next year, which is 2020. And... Uh, in 2010, we we did some gigs where we played the whole album and we'd do it as a lightning to the nations, you know, special gig type thing. And we could, uh, we were gonna do that this year, um, and then we kind of run into lockdown. Yeah. Uh, so that idea went out the window. Well, um, so we didn't get to do any gigs where we, we played the whole of the album as a 40th anniversary show. But we'd had this discussion where Carl said, what about if we re-record the, uh, the debut album, Light Into the Nations, uh, with this lineup, with this band, how we've been playing it live, you know, cause it's, it's more powerful sounding now live than, uh, it was, you know, back in 1980, because it just, it just is. Uh, so i i thought it was a good idea and and we all discussed it and said yep let's let's get on on board with that so we made plans we didn't have to rehearse the album right uh because because of course we've just uh we've been playing it over and over and over again live for for, for dozens of years uh the only thing we did have to do is rehearse the covers i had to pick the covers and uh you know it's my idea to do some bonus tracks and some covers and then uh we had to I had to pick the covers and then re, we rehearsed those uh, before we started uh, with the drums.
2: I got you well so so was this was any of this um uh, I mean you talked to that it was an idea, but did uh did coronavirus force your hand on this a little bit since you couldn't really do
0: much else um I, the only thing I think is uh I'm really glad that we did it. Because as coronavirus hit, it meant that all the gigs got postponed or cancelled. So the only thing we really had to work on was this uh, and get it finished. And then while Raz was in London mixing it at home uh, and recording vocals, uh, I was at, at my house in lockdown, you know, yeah. uh, writing songs. I just thought, well, while I've got nothing to do, I'll just keep writing. And, and hopefully we'll get another an original album out next year or the year after. But uh, yeah, once once lockdown happened, uh, by the time we we got to lockdown, we'd already done the drums and the guitars. Uh, so the only thing we hadn't done was the bass and the vocals. Uh, and And so our bass player, Dean, did the bass at home and then sent down the files as we transfer uh, and then Raz was able to record all his vocals and backing vocals at home uh, in his home studio so that was really great I just kept thinking thank goodness we've got uh, this uh, to be to be coming out this year so we've at least done something we've, we've celebrated the anniversary of the album and we've got a, a new record coming out For 2020, where there would have been nothing otherwise.
2: Oh, so you have a whole new—you wrote a whole new record as well—is what you're saying?
0: No, I I don't (laughs) write the whole thing. I I like to come up with the music, so I've come up with a lot of music, and and then it gets passed on to Raz, and he starts working on lyrics and melodies and things like that. So I feel like I've got a lot of good new stuff. Because I've I've been working on it for six months, um, and I've had no distraction. You know, there's no gigs coming up. There's nothing to think. Oh, I'll leave that now. I just each day I just do a bit, and uh, it, it's it's really good. I think there's going to be some great stuff. I think a lot of bands are going to come up with some great albums next year because they've had all this time to write with no distractions from touring.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a good point, and I think uh, I think you are going to see a lot of records. I think the bands who aren't are kind of messing up.
0: Yeah. Oh, you may as well. What else? You know. What else is that? It's just write. Turn the negative into a positive. Sure.
2: Well, and I think one of the, one of the things too that I've been uh, talking about is is the idea that some bands are holding on to their music. They don't want to release it right now, but I think it's a, that's a bad move too because you kind of have a captive audience. Nobody can do anything else but listen to your music. You know, Sure, there's some competition, but you might as well do it now.
0: I agree. I think release it now because people can just buy it online, can't they? Uh, I suppose the only downside is they can't tour it. And you do sell a lot more records when you're touring because you're generating press and publicity and people come to the gigs and buy the record and get it signed and all that but we'll miss out on that for this album at the moment but we've had a lot of good orders coming in uh the pre-orders have been very good and uh so we're looking forward to, to getting reviews now and, and it'll go into next year uh and we may get a chance to uh you know to Tour it next year, really. I'm not sure what how, how it is at the moment. We've got we've got live dates booked for April and May, and fingers crossed they'll go ahead. You know they won't get cancelled or postponed again. Um, we'll see.
2: Yeah, you got to be optimistic, I guess. What else can we do? But hey, you said yeah. you, you mentioned the the recording process or the re-recording process. I should say for this version, "Lightning to the Nations," and and uh, and I read before that the original version was recorded just in a week. And so, so tell me, I mean, obviously there's gotta be so many differences between when you recorded the original to this, this re-recording. I I mean, is, was there anything, is there anything you don't like about the way it's done now, as opposed to the way it was done then?
0: Uh, I, I, I did, uh, I do like being able to look at each other and, you know, you, you get the visuals from the drummer and you, I just think that's a, a great way of working. And that is how we put down the original album. Uh, we, we, you know, we played the songs live back in 1980, uh, but we had not been in many studios. We'd only been in a, like a demo studio. And then we'd been in the, the studio where we made like To the Nations once to do a single. And then we had a chance to record an album's worth of material. Um, know in a, in a week record and mix so it went down really fast we weren't very experienced at recording and uh, it, we kind of looked on it as a bit of a demo in a way a demo album uh, whereas we thought like the, the management would would go and shop in hopefully get us a record deal and we may you know re-record the album with a producer and and all that kind of thing but that never happened and we uh we print pressed a thousand copies ourselves and, and sold them at gigs and mail order. Uh, and so that you know, it, it began really and that album became a bit of a new wave of British heavy metal collector's item. But um yeah, it was all it was all very instinctive and you'd just kind of all be set up at the same time. So I do miss that. Now you kind of do things separately. The drums were done in France at Carl's house. Then we'd get the files uh then i went down to raz's to record guitars and we just used like a di uh into an axe effects uh so i didn't even have the opportunity to have like martial amps going it, it, because it's, it's recorded in the flat and uh and then the the idea was to reamp everything uh but that couldn't happen because of lockdown so in the end raz used an iso box and um uh, Mike you know reamped all the guitars and the bass through that uh so we had to kind of be inventive and creative and uh make the make it work um but you know we soon realized it was gonna be it was gonna sound really good so I, I mean you know if if it hadn't we'd have either fixed it or give up on it, but <laughs> once it started once it started sounding really good, we knew yeah it's gonna be great,
2: yeah now that's the thing um i how you have you, has Diamond Head, or you yourself, been met with any apprehension from fans about re-recording this? About
0: you know what well, it means I, the original. We told no. Yeah, I know what you mean, but we told no one. We didn't go around telling anybody that we were going to do it. Uh, so because I didn't want people to have a year to like think about it and think, "Oh, I don't know if I'm going to like that." I just wanted to let it drop when when it was ready. So. I think some fans won't like it. I haven't met any yet. I mean, we haven't. We're not gigging. We haven't played since March, so I, I don't even get chance to get any feedback. Really, the only feedback we're going to get is probably reviews, uh, and so hopefully you know people will like it but i think you know if you're a diamonded fan and you don't like the idea then you just don't buy it that's that's fine with me i do think a lot of fans will like it and i also think we we hopefully will hook in some new fans who wouldn't necessarily listen to a 40 year old album but they'll <laughs> listen to yeah they'll listen to this album because it sounds you know more modern and it's it's a higher production value and uh it's, it's a bit more aggressive and powerful. So hopefully it, it sits in line with, with some of the newer bands. And uh, uh, we can, you know, I, I think it's amazing that the songs still sound good after 40 years. So why not, you know, drag them into the 21st century rather than just that is the, the only version and, and that's the way it's always going to be.
2: Sure. And, and you, you play them live differently than they were recorded at this point, right? I got to imagine there's things that have changed.
0: Only a little bit, funnily enough. Something like Am I Evil is exactly the same. I have never had a good idea to, uh, oh, I know what we could do. We could change (laughs) this bit or that bit. Uh, That's never happened with Am I Evil. It seems like it's exactly right as it is. Uh, The only things that have changed are Sucking My Love, the arrangement changed. Back in 1982, I remember we changed it. We're lucky enough to get... a spot at the Reading Festival in the UK. And we rehearsed for the whole week leading up to it. And during that time, we changed the arrangement because on that first record, Lighting to the Nations, Sucking My Love is nine and a half minutes long. And uh, we decided to chop it down slightly and add a couple of little bits towards the end, Change, sort of change the ending to make it a bit more of a dramatic live ending. Uh, So we changed that and and the ideas we had back then in 82 stuck and we have sort of been playing it that way live ever since. So "Sucking My Love is still over seven minutes long, but it's it's shorter than it was. It's, we've probably lost about two minutes off its entire length. And uh, the end which we put in live ending onto It's Electric because it fades out on the album, the original album. And uh, so, of course, playing it live, we, we wrote a new ending.
2: Okay, that makes sense. I had read that you, you changed the way you played its electric based on what you heard when Metallica did it. Or maybe that was a tuning or something.
0: <laughs> that is true, but yeah, it's only the tuning, yeah. Okay. When uh, re- Metallica recorded it for their 1998 album, Garage Inc., they changed the key to from G to F sharp, which makes it easier to play. So... Um i learned it their way I thought actually that's better and we got to play with Metallica at the at their 30th anniversary at, at the um the forum in San Francisco but not the forum the fillmore sorry yeah and uh, so I you know we played the four diamond head songs that they have covered including it's electric so of course I played it their way and and I thought that that's a better way to play it so I played it their way ever since really uh yeah it's it's better they they uh they didn't change arrangement of course but they uh they just changed the key
2: i got you well so i mean i i guess this probably happens every time i guess you can't do a diamond head interview without metallica coming up huh no <laughs>
0: But what why should I? <laughs> but I
2: but I see that like you know of course on this one you you included uh, a Metallica cover, uh, No Remorse, uh, along with Led Zeppelin, Judas Priest, and Deep Purple. Um, how did you How did you decide on these particular songs?
0: Uh, yeah, it was down to me. I um, I wanted to do a Metallica song, and uh, I said we should do one off the first album because they only covered songs off Diamond's first album. So I just went through Kill 'Em All. And Seek and Destroy is the one they play live. They play that at every single gig as, as an encore. So I thought, that's too big a song. That's too famous. So I, we went to that. Uh, and then I thought about Whiplash, Motorelli-covered Whiplash. Uh, and then I settled on um, No Remorse because I thought, A, it's, it's great, and B, it did sound a bit like Diamond Head. There's some DNA of Diamond Head in the writing. Uh, it, it could have been a Diamond Head song almost. So I thought that that's the one to to, to learn. So I, I got asked the rest of the guys to learn that one. And we tried went to rehearsal, tried it, and it sounded great straight away. Uh, of, of all the four covers, that's the one that sounded best almost immediately. And uh, so... It was surprisingly good. Right. it just suited this band, this lineup. Yeah, it's
2: it's it's a it's a great pick. It was it's not one that I was expecting at all. You know, I saw I read the yeah. read the press release before I looked at the track list, and I thought, wow, I wasn't spe- expecting you know, <laughs> well, like you said, a song off of Kill 'Em All, one that's a deeper cut, I guess. But yeah, I think that yeah. makes it much more interesting.
0: I think so as well. I mean. And, you know, it'd be too easy to pick a big song, uh, one that everybody knows. I just thought, you know, show some love to one of their album cuts, one of their deeper cuts. <coughs> Excuse me.
2: Well, so so it's kind of it's kind of nice how you guys got this back and forth there. But for for you personally, what was your you know you got you got Led Zeppelin on here, Judas Priest, uh, Deep Purple. But what was your introduction to rock and roll or heavy metal particularly?
0: Uh... Okay, it, it would be through my brother, really. Uh, my brother is six years older than me, and he was uh, uh, into rock music. He liked the Beatles at first, and he was in the Beatles fan club. But then he got into, uh, you know, things like Black Sabbath and Zeppelin. And he took me to see Black Sabbath when I was fourteen at Birmingham Odeon on the uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath tour. So things like that was, was very uh, influential to me. And he would buy albums. I remember him buying Houses of the Holy, and he, and he liked Krautrock. He'd buy and Amondor and uh, all kinds of – he had good taste. And uh, so I would get exposed to all this kind of rock about um, – Maybe eleven or twelve, and it rubbed off on me. And then I'd start buying albums. The first album I ever bought was Led Zeppelin two, Then I bought Machine Head by Deep Purple. And uh, so I, I, you know, I became a proper rock fan. And I always think once you get into rock or metal, it never leaves you. You, you, it, you're a fan for life. No one seems to go off. I used to listen to Led Zeppelin, but I don't like him anymore. No, no one's ever said that to me. You know, that does that doesn't happen. It's like once you get into rock, that's it, you're there. Uh, so, you know, I, I would go and watch bands like Priest and ACDC, UFO, Rush, Van Halen. As they came through Birmingham, I'd go and watch them. And, of course, uh, I, I fought, wanted to form my own band and do do what they were doing, you know, go and see see these bands and then think, right, I want to do a. Band. I want to be in a band you know it's, it looks like really good fun and uh it's a it, it, hopefully a career you know I, I, when I left school I was a car mechanic uh but it was a means to an end to you know I, I only really uh did the job to make money and to be able to buy equipment and I thought eventually I'll I'll leave this job and do music full-time and i did in 1980 i, I packed in my job and, and became a full-time member of well well i was already a member of diamond head i'm sort of a full-time <laughs> musician you know to me
2: yeah well it seems like it's been diamond head's been uh, i don't want to say sporadic over the last few years but you release albums here and there um, the last one was very really good, the Coffin Train. I really enjoyed that one. Um, it seems like you're you're trending. It's 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 almost like momentum's building for you guys at this point. You got this release, and then you, like you said, you're already working on the next one. Um, is there? I mean, obviously you can't tour, so that's that's out the window for now. Uh, but you can do this. What what's the what's your big what's the thing you're looking forward to most with the release of this? Is it just having people hear it and getting feedback?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> I think it was great fun to do. I really, really enjoyed making it, and, and it was great to be able to do the covers. Um, I'm such a big fan of of, of these bands, and uh, it, it was nice to be able to do them. And we've got a fantastic singer in Rasmus, so I thought if we've got a singer who can sing a Zeppelin song or a... Uh, a, a Judas Priest song. We should definitely do it. We should make the most of Raz's voice and his talent. And uh, so, yeah, I, I want people to hear it, and hopefully they'll like it. Uh, and it's a, it's just a lovely way to mark the uh, 40th anniversary. Uh, you know, we're not the first band to re-record an old album. Uh, it's been done before, but uh, it's just, it felt right to do, and and I hope we'll. Make some
2: new fans. Well, I think the potential is certainly there, and i think I think it's a I think you're right. I think it's a good tribute to yourselves, almost. But uh, it, it's an album that deserves, especially how um, I don't want to say underground lightning to the nations was, but how elusive that record can be to have a fresh new yeah. take on it is is pretty cool. But Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. I really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Nice to speak to you, Dan.
2: Yeah, you too. All right, man. Ha- have a good day.
0: You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: So there you have it. That was my conversation with Brian Tatler of Diamond Head. Thank you again to Brian for taking the time to have that chat and thank you for listening to it. And before I ramble on too much in the middle of this, I just want to move us right along to my conversation with another legend, Tom Angel Ripper of Sodom. So first let's play Sodom and Gomorrah off their upcoming album Genesis 19 and then go straight into that interview as well. Keep listening. How are you doing?
4: I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Oh, you, you're over in Germany right now, huh?
4: I'm Germany. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. but now the, oh, we have get some problems here today. We got a new lockdown, you know? Yeah. Which means that uh, today all the bars get closed and schools and um, yeah, it's it's a bad situation nowadays, you know? All the d- shows get canceled, you know, and uh, really bad, yeah.
2: So, so it's not going as well as it was then? Because I thought you guys were doing really good there for a while.
4: Yes, um, yeah. You know, we, we, we spend, a, you know, when we get the first corona lockdown, you know, all the shows get canceled and we get more time writing songs, you know. Yeah. We, uh, we rehearse three times a week, you know, and so when we couldn't play live, you know, we can play in a rehearsal room doing, writing songs. It's the only thing we can do. So, so we got the album finished. You know, and that is that's the only positive way in describes you know.
2: Yeah, and I think well, obviously you're not you're not alone. A lot of bands are experiencing the same the same kind of thing, and the only thing you really can do is write. I know some people are doing the the live stream thing, but you know that's not as that's not as. Cool. I don't
4: I don't want yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah some some bands do um, which which we call in Germany auto kino, which means um, the band is on stage, you know, and people going in by car, you know.
2: That's that
4: sucks. And, yeah, yeah. And the people sitting in a car and they get the sound from from a PA. And they get it on a on a radio radio in a car. You know, this uh, is what I don't want. You know, There's something impossible to do. You know. Yeah,
2: that's that's you know that, I, that's I, wild. I I
4: want to do my job. You know, I want to do a heavy metal show. You know, with fans. You know, it's, I want to look into their eyes. You know, I want to get the stage divers. You know, I want to have. The meet and greet after the show and getting contact to all the people, you know. But I can't do it in, in this way, you know, people sitting in a car, you know. What is... <clears throat> never, <laughs> never think about it, you know.
2: Yeah, of course. Is, it, is this safe to say that this is the 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 strangest time that you can ever remember?
4: Yeah, really, really, really. Yeah, yeah. because we cannot do our job, you know. That's um, We canceled, I think we canceled 20 shows, something like this, you know. And we lose a lot of money, you know. But the the thing is that the that nobody gonna help us really, you know. Nobody's talking about musicians or artists or actors, you know. You know this government they're gonna help Lufthansa, you know, because they have they got a lot of trouble because of. But nobody's talking about single uh, musicians or anything, you know. It's a really it's really it's a shame, you know.
2: Is is Sodom culture, Is Sodom power, your job? There, no?
4: Is yes, this all yes, you do? Yes. I live... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah, it's that's a full time cool. job, you know. Yeah, it's a full time job. I'm always I'm doing every day There's something doing with the music with Sodom, you know. But it's my life, you know. And um I hope uh, I hope that I can do my job next year, you know, that will find a way to do shows, you know. I don't know really, you know.
2: Was there any apprehension to even releasing this record, being that you can't tour and promote it?
4: Yeah, that is that is a, a way, you know. If you've got to release an album, you know, you kind of you can promote this album on a live shows, touring, you know. And I know that a lot of record companies don't want to release albums in these times, you so know. But uh, I talked to my record company. They, they said the time is right. You know, you got all the songs finished. You got the songs. We're gonna record all the songs, so we bring it out, you know. And maybe people they can spend money for shows, you know. So can spend they can spend their money for buy records, you know. I don't know, but the pre-selling is really good, you know. It's better than than any years before, you know.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're gonna see a lot of people buying records. I I I know personally, I have been I've been buying a lot, but but at the same time, I've been fortunate enough where my job hasn't been affected. I've been able to work for this entire time, so. So I've been able yeah. to, like personally, I've been able to still make money and and do the things that I want to do. Other, I mean, other than the fact that I can't go anywhere, or do anything, yeah. You know, but
4: yeah, but you can't, yeah, uh, you know, you can't make money making albums, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's not the thing, you know. That's um, um, if you get the thing is when you get a new album out, you get more shows, you know. You get people are more interested in booking solo for festivals and all this stuff, you know. That is that is where where I'm gonna make my money from, you know, but. But it's okay, you know. Um I hope if we, we can start it we we postpone all the shows to next year, you know. And the first one will be in March, you know. And the time is running so fast, you know. So I hope that we'll find a way to get the shows done, you know.
2: What are the fir- what do you know what the first show back is gonna be for you guys if it's if it can happen?
4: I think we'll be um Greece, you know. Yeah. Yeah. no. The- yeah, we canceled greece we canceled south america there was russian shows a couple of german shows you know i don't know really but it's um uh, yeah we you know i also understand the promoters you know they can't do it you know yeah if you do a show you know they get the police getting in you know and, and it's they get a lot of trouble if you're going to make something like this you know
2: <clears throat> well you've been at this now so for, we, for a long time it, so, it, does sodom now play do you guys tour, or do you just basically come in and do dates? Uh, sorry, do you, do you tour with Sodom still? Like, do you do long tours? Are you are you just making festival appearances, or just dropping in, doing a couple shows here, a couple shows there?
4: Yeah, I, uh, I think the last two we did was um, uh, we finished tour with Exodus and Death Angel last year.
2: No. Oh
5: wow!
4: And. um yeah, but the most time we do a festival. You know, we have so many festivals around Europe. You know, so we are we we are spent every weekend, Friday and Saturday making shows. You know, it's like a tour. You know,
5: mm-hmm.
4: but and I, I remember back to the eighties or nineties. You know, if you you we, we we've we done a tour every year. You know, uh, but if you if you want to book a tour in, in these times, you know, you have to be really careful because so many bands are touring around. You know. So there you know, so many American U.S. bands touring in Europe, you know. So, um, but if you're gonna play every week and you don't need to have, need to do a tour, you know, I yeah. wanna I wanna tour in U.S., you know. But I hope the time is right next year, you know, to come back. I get so many messages and, and, and emails from fans from U.S. You know why you never come to U.S. America? You know. So I don't know if we're gonna find a serious promoter who's gonna help us over, you know. Mm-hmm. And who do a promoter who's gonna do his job with all the paperwork? You know, we need. You know, we go. You know,
2: yeah. Those the the, the legality of it kind of gets in the way, right? The, the, do you need you need a lot of stuff to come over here to play, right?
4: Yeah, you need. Uh, I don't know what it's called in the, the working license papers, um, permissions. You know, it's it's really hard. You know, it's it's easier for a U.S. band go to Europe or Germany. You know.
2: Oh yeah, the, your, but, um, our our bands are over there all the time, and I totally understand why they are because it's it's much more lucrative and easy for them to do a European tour than it is to do a tour here in the yeah,
4: U.S. Yeah, and you know I know a lot of American like Overkill or Exodus, you know, it's very comfortable for them touring in Germany. Yeah, they get everything or they get everything fixed on stage, you know. They get the back line is rented, you know. Everything is perfect. Uh, the bus, you know, the nightliner and all the stuff, you know. And uh, they get they get paid, you know. Um, yeah, that is easier for them, you know. But it's yeah. But we want to we want to go back to Yes America. If I think there will be a good promoter, and you can you can believe me, you know. When we go to Yes America, we will sort out every show, you know. Yeah. I hope so. Well, well, I hope
2: I hope you get to do that soon because I'd like to see you guys touring on on this album that that uh, you got coming out here on November twenty seventh, uh, Genesis, which is on. You, you mentioned this with your record label Push you to put it out. Um, e one It's coming out on E one. Um, who has a sneaky mm. good uh, sneaky good heavy roster? They got they got a lot of music on that label, but there's a lot of heavy bands on there that I don't think people realize. Uh, are all on that label, and it's it 's a very cool place to be, but this record is this something that you guys had written before the pandemic, or is this all um pandemic material basically
4: it's, yeah I think there were two or three songs we written before you know with uh, with the ex drummer husky, you know yeah, and uh, you know the husky left the band because he told me he has a lot of trouble because he have playing an s fix which is a death metal band you know and yeah. he also have a full-time job was in a booking agency and he got married with a family you know he told me he never find enough time for for to give everything for sodom you know and so we find a new drummer tony and uh yes yes and when tony uh joined the band you know we start writing the set list and start rehearsing for the upcoming shows, which were canceled step by step, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we realized there will be no more show in this year, so we find more time writing the songs, you know. I think 90% of all this material is pandemic (coughs) songs, you know.
2: Did did you find that uh, influencing uh, lyrics and infiltrating the music?
4: Yes, I think, um, you, you know, we have two good songwriters in the band that's frank and york you know and i'm also arranging the songs you know um, but, and but if you listen to the new album you you will realize that there are completely different song material on it yeah you know frank is gonna write songs like euthanasia you know or occult perpetrator indoctrination or the more thrashy know, this, stuff I, yeah that's more you know frank came up sometimes as guitarist who could be on agent orange you know <laughs> Or yeah. persecution mania which i li- really like you know and um and York is a younger guitarist who is influenced by black metal bands, you know and death and, and and heavy metal stuff from the eighties you know, oh. and so the songs are completely different but putting putting these songs on a, on one album that makes everything so colorful you know and um yes but if but if you listen to the songs you know you will exactly know which is Frank's or York's song, you know, but in the end, I have to arrange the songs because I'm a singer. I'm going to write the lyrics on it, and, um, and I put the bass guitar on it, you know, so it's a solemn song, you know. I, I never mind which kind of style a guitarist is going to play the you know. If it's a good guitar riff or it's a good chorus, lines, whatever, I'm going to make it, you know.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. You say that, and the the, the one song that I, w- I was noticing earlier today, as I was as I was listening through the record, was uh, the Harpooner, and uh, how that, that how that one starts out nice and slow, almost uh, almost like a Black Sabbath riff there at the beginning, and that, but then you know it changes pace. But I thought oh, that's an interesting take for for a Sodom song, and 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 from what I understand, that's a that's a song that you wrote about a, about relates to Moby Dick, right?
4: Oh yes, that's my that's my favorite move, you know. Um I have I have um, a song about whale catching, you know, in with in, in ninety four with silent concert, a tribute to Moby Dick, you know. Which is more about the senseless slaughtering of whales, you know. What they're gonna do in Scandinavia, for example, which I don't like, you know. But uh the Harpony or something it's talking about the beginning of the whale catching, you know, well, where they just wanna catch one whale to survive, you know? Um, and it's a story about movie Dick and Captain Harp, you know, who wanna kill this whale, you know, because of revenge or anything, you know? It's one of my favorite movies and also the book is amazing, you know? Um, yes, but when we start writing this song, you know, we never think about how long it's gonna be, you know? This song is about seven minutes, you know? Yeah. But there are so many, but it's never get boring, you know. There are so much different guitarists in it, you know. I like the, some of the guitarists sound like Slayer's first album sometimes, you know,
5: mm-hmm.
4: which I really like, you know. I don't know when, you know, when we start writing songs, we never think about what we're gonna do, you know. We're just starting the jam session, you know, and 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 maybe we have a new song or not, you know. That's um, we, we we never think about exactly, you know. But in the end. The songs are great you know and happily is one
2: of my one of my favorite songs you know that's you know i think it's interesting that so many so many heavy bands seem to I, well all right other than maybe the bible i don't think there's any book that's that so many songs or heavy bands have written so many songs about as moby dick so many bands have covered moby dick and they do everybody has a different interpretation of it and writes different style of songs um, about that book, but it, but it's, it's really been prevalent in uh, heavy metal for as long as you know, as lo- going back as long as you can. And I think that's interesting. I, and I never, I, I'd like to sometime go through and find all the Moby Dick related songs and put them together and see what we come up with.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there were other songs like we would talk about a Bible. You know, there was Solomon Gomorrah on, on Genesis nineteen. Yeah. Which is about uh, which is, which is about the destruction of. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, these towns, you know. But I'm sure there was no God who destroyed these cities, you know. But um, it was very interesting when I talked to Joe Petacno, who did the cover artwork, you know. Yeah. And uh, I always, after he did the decision to cover, I was, kept, I was been in contact to him, you know. And he asked me if I have any idea for the new Sodom title, you know. I, I, I told him, yeah, Genesis 19 would be the title. And see, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant title for a Sodom album and I have so many ideas to get an artwork for this, you know. And we talk about uh, the sinful cities, the destruction and there are also a lot of ancient artworks around this theme about Sodom and Lot and his daughters, you know. You know, I'm I'm I I'm not a Bible reader, you know, but it's very interesting. You learn something about the pe- the people who live in these times, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. and Joe told me that is that's a perfect, you know, we, we take the Knarrenhinds, which is our mascot in Sodom, you know, and he's the God destroying the city, you know, and it's, it's, I think this cover fits perfect to the music and all the lyrics, you know, and, uh, it's one of the best artworks we ever had for since years. Ago.
2: Yeah. And it looks, it looks great. And I'd like to see it on a big, you know, LP just to get all the detail of it. I've only seen it on the, on the computer screen, but I'm sure the rest of it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, does 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 Sodom provide you the same kind of uh, artistic or creative outlet as it did when you started this thing way back in I don't know 1984, 81, whatever um, like does do, does do do writing these songs give you the same satisfaction or is it kind of different now?
4: No, it's always the same. You know, it's uh, you know sort of you know we never change. You know, we 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 never change the way we're gonna write songs or lyrics. You know. From the beginning you know, we we started in 82 you know with a witching metal tape you know demo tape you know and um it's the same way it and it's very old school writing songs in the rehearsal room and i don't I'm, i know that a lot of other bands have another uh way to write the songs you know but for me it's very important to be together with a band you know i know a lot of bands um they're gonna write songs by mp3 trading you know yeah. because the musicians are living in different countries you know this is not a band you know you know the band is somebody we are friends you know we're sitting down in rehearsal drinking beers talking about everything and starting a jam session you know and this is what i want you know this is what this is what you're going to hear on the new songs you know because we are a band nowadays you know and uh, the, for me It's the only way to write songs, and we never changed this, you know. And so we recorded our first album in 84, with the Son of Evil being in the rehearsal room, making a party, you know, and drinking beers and making music, you know. Um, There is no difference uh, in the way we're going to write songs, you know. But nowadays we can, okay, we can record songs, we can record it on computers, you know, making some demos and, and changing this, changing that, you know. But in this way, we recorded everything on a computer. But we are using microphones recording the drums and, uh, and the guitars. You know, yeah. I know that a lot of bands going to use Kemper amps, which is a digital profiling amp. You know, where you have the sounds in, a, in the in the amp, in the amplifier. You know, uh, or people working with um, plug-ins or sem- drum samples. So We don't do it. You know. And the most important thing what we do with the, with the new album was we went to this professional studio uh mixing on an analog desk you know and bringing all the digital files back to an analog desk you know and mixing it and that makes a special sound in my opinion you know but the with the way we write the songs never changed really
2: have you tried doing uh doing sodom the other way the new way or are you just reluctant and you're not interested in even giving it a shot? Not that I think you should. I'm just curious if you've, if you've given it a, a, a try.
4: No, 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 we never tried something different. You know. Yeah. That's what we what we did is um, our drummer Tony is also digital recording. He also producing other bands. You know. That we recorded digital. That's usually payable nowadays. You know. Yeah. But but the songwriting process is always the same, you know. Sometimes I have I have the lyrics before we start writing the song and I'm gonna send the lyrics to the guitarists, you know. Um and I hope that they will find good guitarists or good chorus lines for the song, you know. Sometimes I am gonna write the lyrics later when the song is completely finished, you know. Um there is no special way to do it, you know. Sometimes we had rehearsing we had we rehearsing sessions. We got nothing, you know. We came out of the room and had nothing, you know. Yeah. You. So you cannot plan. You cannot plan a song, you know. That's it. But we had, in course of the pandemic, we had a lot of time, to, to plan and, and to write the songs. You know?
2: Yeah. Um. So, so. But now you said that they're they're lo- they're kind of locking you guys down again, so you might not get the opportunity to get in the room. But I guess. Sorry? So you said now that the Germany's kind of stepping up again with the lockdowns and putting more restrictions out there again.
4: Yeah, it's today, you know, today that we got, because we have so many, yeah, we have so many people dying with coronavirus, you know.
5: Yeah, yeah,
4: you know, and um, now that now we, today we got a, the first, the second lockdown, you know, because they they want to close the bars, you know, they want to close whatever you know culture, they want to. I think people um, they want to close the schools and all the stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, but I'm I'm doing my job when I go to my rehearsal room. You know, it's my job, you know. Yeah. And um, they they can, you know, if I don't I don't got to go to the room make a party, you know. I want to make writing new songs, you know. So I don't know what happened, you know. That's it's it's a really bad, but it never get boring, you know. If I gotta stay locked down at home, you know. Are doing interviews or are writing <laughs> lyrics and or you know,
2: whatever. You know. Well, w- w- what are you? What are you most looking forward to then with the release of Genesis Nineteen? Uh, being that you can't tour and you know that that you can't play shows, what's what's the most exciting part about putting on? What is this going to be your fifteenth album? I don't. I don't know. I don't <laughs> count. It's
4: fifteenth, sixteenth. I don't know. You know, it's excited. You know, because I want to. I want to. I want to know what the fan reaction is. You know? Yeah, yeah. I got I got some reviews from magazines. You know, I know that in, in the biggest metal fancies in Germany, it's a Rockhart magazine and a Metal Hammer magazine. We are the we are the the record of the month. You know. Nice. Yeah. Which is which which is brilliant. You know, and um, and uh, I got some reviews from record company. You know, people the people who. Get the reviews from the album they said it's a, it's a, it's the a best sort of album since years you know i never mind you know i i'm really interested what the fan reaction is what how the fans like the songs you know and uh that is very excited to wait uh, until this album come come out in this day on no, november you know.
2: Well, i think that's great and i think you're gonna i think you're gonna get really great reactions because i've listened to the record a lot and it's fantastic and uh i, I see you put out um at least a lyric video for Sodom and Gomorrah How, what has the fan reaction been from that so far?
4: Ah great, great. And uh and in the next couple of two days and all, we're gonna bring a next lyric video from uh Indoctrination, you know. And we did a we did a real video clip from with a song Friendly Fire, you know. Which is just a performance clip which we also did a rehearsal room, you know. Yeah. Just to see the band reacting, playing, performing the song, you know I don't know i I think the people are gonna like it, you know, and I know that people when 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 I split up with Bannerman and Maka, the ex members you know people say, "Oh, Sodom is gone, you know the best guitarist is gone so so we will see what they're gonna do the next, you know so and then we release two e p s which for the partisan and the out of the frontline trench e p you know and the reaction was great, you know. You know, I can tell you what. It, it doesn't matter who's gonna play the guitars, you know. Yeah. Or who gonna play the drums, you know. It's a spirit. We. I try to keep the spirit. As long as I gonna be the singer in a band and a, and the bass player, it's gonna be the solemn album, you know. It doesn't matter really who gonna play the guitars.
2: Yeah, I feel that. I feel there's certain points a uh, uh, one member can kind of become the band, and I, I understand. And I mean that in a good way, you know. Uh, as long as Tom Angelripper is uh, is at the at the front of Sodom, it's going to be Sodom, and I think that's something yeah, to be I'm, proud of.
4: Yeah, but I'm still g- proud and glad that I get some brilliant guitarists in my band. And, of course, and, and yeah, perfect drummer. You know, well, I'm I cannot do anything without a band. You know. Sure, but they're not but, there unless um, you um, are. You know. But I always try to give the, the typical Sodom trademarks, in you know, with my vocals and a bass guitar sound, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So what 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 are you most proud of uh, with Sodom?
4: I was. I'm proud that we're still alive, you know. That yeah. Sodom is a band about nearly forty years, you know, and Sodom is a band who never changed, you know, who never who always keep the line, you know, and. Um, I think, in my opinion, Solom is the only band worldwide to never really change, you know. I remember back to the 90s, where a lot of bands changed their music, you know, get more com- to get more commercial or more melodic, you know, because they get, got dictations from record companies to sell more, you know, sell more copies of the new records, whatever. In these times, you know, time, you know we, we released the heaviest Solom albums ever which was tapping the vein or get what you deserve for masquerading Blood, you know. Yeah. So, Sodom, so every Sodom album sounds different, but it's always a solemn trademark in it and a solemn spirit in it, you know. And I'm proud of my band and my ex-members also, you know, that we did it, you know. We always been in the scene. We always been a strong part of the international metal scene, you know. And, uh, but we never changed, and that is important, you know. And if the fans... Gonna buy a Sodom album, they know if there is Sodom on the cover, there was Sodom inside, you know. I don't want to leave any fans disappointed when they listen to the new songs, you know. I know exactly what we have to do to get these people satisfied with a with a new album, you know. Uh, it makes me proud that we st- we are still alive, you know, in this hard business, you know. The business changed, you know. It's really hard nowadays, you know. Um, but not for a band like Sodom, you know. There was a lot of younger bands c- came up every month, you know. And that is really, really hard for them to get a step to the scene, to the business, you know. But Sodom, I'm not scared about, you know. I'm Sodom is a cult band nowadays, you know. And we always be there, you know. And as long as I gotta stay healthy and creative doing this, you know, I will do, you know. And I never think, stop doing this. Well,
2: that's great, and I don't, I mean, yeah, I can't imagine what it would take for you to stop doing this because, uh, to, like you said, to do it for 40 years now is pretty impressive. And, and the longevity and the quality. There's there's some changes in the Sodom sound, but nothing nothing drastic, nothing commercial. It's all very organic, and uh, it's been a nice evolution for the band. Um, members come and go. Sounds change a little bit, but like you said, you yeah. always know it's a Sodom record.
4: Yeah, it's right. You're right, the, the word organic is really good, you know, it, it sounds more organic, you know. And we also do the bass sound a little bit louder than it's usual, you know. I know a lot of metal albums, you know, and I don't hear any bass guitar, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I'm always asking myself what the bass guitar is going to do there, you know. And so we did it more louder, you know, and when I talked to Ziggy in the studio mixing the album, I said, Oh, you gonna, you you play a solid bass, you know, we can put it put it louder, you know. And I like to have a bass sound like um like chronos, you know, and or or a little bit more head influence also, you know. That's what I like, you know. And um that's also the difference, you know, that we have a bass guitar louder, you know. In my opinion I think the vocals could be a little bit louder in the end, you know. But but you know, now it's gone, now it's pressed, you know, and it's 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 coming out, you know.
2: Yeah, and like we'll, like we said it'll be uh well anyway the the mix i think the mix is good i think i think the whole sound i think you guys nailed it uh very impressive for a band 40 years in um and this will be out on november 27th like we talked about on e1 music um yes um, what's yeah yeah and uh is well i don't know i I think we we can just leave it at that time and um I, I, I just want to Pat you on the back Thank you for doing this For so long Because it's It has been impressive And uh, I love it
1: um, there's, not, yes, there's And I
4: Go ahead And I, I'm waiting For the release uh, Day You know Because I'm always Going to the record store I'm going to buy an album You know, yeah. <laughs> you know That's what I got to do With every With every release we are going to have I go to the record store You know it, There is not really a record store It's called Sapoon You know A big media market You know and I'm gonna buy all the time I'm gonna buy a solo album in a record store, you know.
2: You do that every time?
4: Yeah, I do it every time, you know. <laughs> I is... gotta pay the price, you know. And it's, <laughs> you know, I don't know why I gotta do it. I it's I always did it, you know, and that's it's, it's really funny to do it. Going to a record store, buy an old record, you know.
2: <laughs> that's that's very cool though. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Is is it easy, is I mean, I know obviously in Germany is Sodom easy to find in Germany, or even even though it's. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, if you have a new album out, you know it's you, know, you, you don't find the whole back catalog, you know. Yeah. It's really hard to find the back catalog because um, um, it's not more SPV. I think SP, SPV uh, sold the whole back catalog to BMG. You know, I never mind. You know, it's it's a business. You know. But if you have a new album out, it's you. You're gonna find it everywhere. You know?
2: That's awesome. I, lo- I I I love hearing that. That that's cool. You don't you don't hear many bands that actually go out and buy their own records. So that's a very cool thing.
4: Yeah, I always do it. You know, I get some free from a record company. You know, for the, it's not a problem. You know. Yeah. But it's a rich it's a, it's a ritual, You know, going to the records or buying the old records. You know, I, you don't want to be.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it goes right. along with the uh, with not being, with you know, rather listening to it a uh, physical copy than digital. But, yeah, I hear
4: you. Yeah, I think the most we're going to sell is Amazon, Download, and um, Spotify, you know. Uh, I never mind, you know. I want to hold it in my hand, you know. So I'm glad that we also do the vinyl, you know. And I know that a record company released this vinyl in five different colors, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's a business. That's what I don't like. You know why? <laughs> why are you bring it all in green? Or, our I think our official will be in black. You know, and other companies like Nuclear Blast, you know, record companies, that want to get it in green, and and there is another company get it in red. And I don't know. You know? <laughs> that's a business, you know. Yeah, people and, people want to and collect it. Company, they have they have the opportunity to do it. You know, it's, it, it's it's a contract. You know, it's a business. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the album's worth it, and I think you guys did a great job. And thank you for having this conversation with me. I truly appreciate it, and I hope I hope uh, you get the reviews that you want, and I think you will. All right, okay. All right, thanks, Tom. Yeah,
4: thank you, and I, I hope to see you next year.
2: Oh, absolutely, get with your hope. ass over here.
4: We'll hope, and uh, yes, please take care, <laughs> and uh, thanks for the interview.
2: Yeah, of course, Tom. Thanks. Bye.
4: All right, Bye-bye. Yep. bye, bye. See you. Bye.
2: There you have it. That was my conversation with Tom Angel Ripper. I didn't ask him if that was his real last name, but I suspect it is. Uh, The song there at the end was Indoctrination. Again, that comes off of uh, Genesis 19, which is due out on November 27th on E1 Music. Diamond Head's reissue of uh, Lightning to the Nations is also due out on November 27th. So a week from today, get to the record store, just like Tom said he would be. Um, You know, I got to reflect here a little bit because my birthday was this past Tuesday and at the end of this year will be three years that I've been doing this podcast. And in that time, I went from being a single guy, uh, sitting in his bedroom by himself doing 20 minute podcasts about nothing to nobody. I used to be happy with 50 listeners. (laughs) Like really, that was like the goal. You go back to those early episodes. It was, it was like 50 to 75 listeners a week. And I was totally cool with that and extremely satisfied. And I still would be all right. So don't get me wrong. But, um, but that was just me talking about nonsense, about the stuff that I saw daily and making uh, observational humor, I guess, or an attempt at it. And uh, I had an idea of what this thing would turn into. And now, three years later, not only am, I, am have things changed completely for me in my private life, and now I'm married and uh, you know, have have a couple kids, but the uh, the fact that this podcast now affords me the opportunities to talk to people like Brian Tatler and Tom Angel Ripper on the regular um, is... It's, it's totally weird and uh, just, uh, it's, it's all, f- I, I, I got to be clear about something. It's all for fun. I don't, there's no money to be made here doing this podcast with zero advertisements and uh, whatever. It's just, t- it's just time I take out of my own day, my own week, time I take away from my family even to just do something that I like to do. And I get to have these conversations uh, with these people and uh, it's really fun. And uh, that's, that's all I wanted to say three weeks or three years, uh, uh, rather of, um, kind of hard work. Sometimes it was harder than others. Uh, and, uh, here I am. So, and here I'll be for as, as long as I can see, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes I, I consider, uh, putting a cap on it and just uh, walking off into the sunset and putting it away. But then I also don't know what I would do with that spare time. So I'm sure I could find things to do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but until I decide it's time to hang it up, I just I'm just gonna keep going. Uh, 2021 for now is a thing. Uh, who knows? Let's let's actually recount this whole year. Uh, and, and do some lawsuits and figure out what's going on Anyway before I get way too off track Let's end this fucking episode It's been long enough So I want to drag it out with a 7 minute long song From White Magician The song is called Dealers of Divinity And it's off of uh, their album of the same name It comes out uh, this week I think it's out today uh, they're, they're a Detroit, uh, Detroit heavy metal band. We'll just call them that. Classic rock, heavy metal, whatever. Comes out on Cruz del Sur. Uh, look for it on CD, vinyl, and other digital formats. Uh, wherever. You know you know how to find things on the internet. Check the show notes. I'll have something there for you. But uh, check out this song, Dealers of Divinity. And uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye.